I'm telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to deck.com slash meat eater. Get yourself some free shipping. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui Venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First light. Go farther, stay longer. All right, everybody, we're coming uh, coming at you from Florida, where, I'm, where I've basically become an honorary resident. I've been down here so damn long. It's like I've met everybody in the state. Back to back. Heard all the problems. I've been like, I, I've been on a, uh, uh, man, I've gotten an earful. It's like two weeks. I've got an earful. For what? Oh, just all the like all the issues in Florida. Oh, you've heard all the issues in Florida. Yeah. I've been on a whirlwind tour talking to talking to many different sportsmen. The most surprising thing to me down here is how unpopular uh how unpopular among the folk I've met, how unpopular the Panthers are. Hmm. In what way? Okay. Like people think they're going to get their dogs and nope, cats just and from kids. A hunt, from a hunting standpoint. It's remarkably similar. It's like, it's such a parallel. Yanni, are, am I boring you? No, not at all. <laughs> just gotta just, just take care of a little loose end right here seems to be important i'm listening uh okay the the the, the parallels the parallels between was the, the the parallels between the wolf debate in the northern rockies soon to be in the southern the, the debate that's being relocated to the southern rockies but the wolf debate in the northern rockies and the 
Panther issue in Florida, even though we're talking about far fewer numbers of the actual animals on the ground, is remarkably similar, similar down to the point. No, I, I, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm gonna, what I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be like a journalist right now. I'm not saying what I, this, uh, this is not me saying what I think is, oh, I'm going to preface this with saying something. Joined today by Richard Martinez. Hey, Steve. <laughs> Most interesting job on the planet. Can you tell people what you do for work? I, uh, I'm an art handler. That's my profession. Uh, I help manage an art handling company in uh, West Palm Beach. And uh, yeah, I handle fine art, any kind of fine art logistics, moving, packing, shipping, installation, protection of fine arts, storage. You know, uh, me and Ridge Ponder, we think we found in this very house the original Live, Love, Laugh sign. <laughs> <laughs> and we were thinking, might be worth something. Well, we were thinking about stealing it and hiring you to move there it back up to where we live. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, a old, this is Live, Love, Laugh uh -huh. from a long, How do you, a long, when, long When do you think ago. the first one was? Like This one. But what, what, what does it look like? 1950? Oh, I, I, we role-played how we thought it came about. <laughs> we thought it came about or there's a, guy saying there you know he's like and i thought to myself what do i really care about <laughs> live laugh love and he says well i like to be alive because you know if you ain't alive you're dead <laughs> <laughs> and then he thought what else do i like i like to laugh yeah that's pretty good and then his wife walked in i like my wife and he hadn't named her yet <laughs> and he got guilty feeling and he's like and you know i love my wife that's what's important to me. Check. Live, check, love, laugh. Check. And that's where that came from. And it spread like wildfire until and today we found, yesterday we found the original. It's a little plaque. What was I saying? Oh. Well, my, before you Art. go on, mine would be live, laugh, turkeys. So. <laughs> not, 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 no, not no. Move, live, live, love, love, turkeys. Yeah, yeah. Live, love, turkeys. Careful there. So, uh, we're down here uh, hunting with Richard Martinez, and that's just one of the many things I've done in Florida. But the minute I got here, Chester's also here, and Seth Morris. So I'm not to that and part. Garrett yet. Smith and Giannis Vitales. Thanks. <laughs> so the minute I got, just for my dad. <laughs> Stay tuned for that part, folks. The minute I met Richard, we well no because we met at a live show. Mm -hmm. We did a live show in Boise. Yes. And you said you guys should apply for a turkey tag at one of the apply for a turkey tag at one of the wildlife management areas in florida mm -hmm. and and how many years did it take four took, took a while to draw it yeah four years because we're like non-reses with no points or whatever yeah so we've Start, starting from scratch starting from scratch is it you, easier for a resident to draw uh you'd have to fact check me but what i've been told is that there's a 10 percent cap for uh non-residents on the quota gotcha that's why it took me and yana so long to draw yeah. So, the minute I met Richard for the second time, so I met him the first time at a live show, and I don't, you know, do you remember why we liked him? Mm -mm. I can't remember why I liked him. I mean, I like him all over again, but I can't remember why I originally liked he's him. He's got a good... Because he offered to take your turkey. He's no, got, no, he's got no, a great demeanor to him. No, we got a lot of people that offer us Calm, turkey cool, ones. and collective. Yeah. Well, something struck it's me. my first impressions. First thing when I meet him, he tells me about his friend who hates me. And I'm like, what do you mean he hates me? And the, he's talking about his friend hates me. This is the perils of 
of doing journalism like I'm about ready to do on the Panther issue. Because mm-hmm. the reason he hates me is we had a uh, we had a uh, a USGS bio so United States Geological Service mm-hmm. biologist on talking about the Burmese python, and this biologist who's working on the Burmese python problem, uh, he, he's talking about how his friend hates me for something the biologist said who's working on the Burmese python problem. And I was like, oh, so he loves pythons. Oh, no, no, he hates pythons too. But he didn't like a thing that the individual said about pythons. Right? Mm-hmm. Is this your snake biologist, buddy? No, 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 no. So he didn't like that the guy said that numerically python hunters aren't having a meaningful impact on pythons. That was this guy's take. Can I ask a side question to Richard on that? Yeah, mm-hmm. if you really want to get into it. But I'm trying to get somewhere else. But go ahead. Yeah, but just while well, it's in my head. Um, what's the chances of one of those big pythons being on the property where we were, we were hunting this morning? Uh, probably low. I think they're more prolific as you move further southeast. So We saw a, what seemed to be a snake track going across the road. Well, we've got yeah. a lot of snakes here. But so. it looked big, didn't it? Okay. Didn't look big, Yanni? Yeah, but I don't think it was like python big. Gator? No, it was it was a snake when you, oh, yeah. you say. Well, I yeah. I asked some other dudes and they said, uh uh-uh. They said they'd heard of it, but they haven't seen one. That that snake track struck me as a big snake. Like a Chester eaten size? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So <laughs> that's been weighing on my mind. And it's weighing on my mind as I wade into this because I realized, you know that saying, uh, uh, you know, in the West, water is for drinking. No, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. Oh, yeah. About water rights issues. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. I've been thinking about how, well, since I've been here, I've been thinking Florida's for fighting. <laughs> well, <laughs> made, Dude, up, made up mostly of water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Florida's for fighting. We're, we're fighting over water. Yeah. Every, every, and these are like honest, like, these are like hard work and honest to goodness out, outdoors people. And man, just a lot of contentious issues in Florida. Yeah. Around pythons, panthers, the three Ps, <laughs> pythons, panthers, and uh, people. People. Oh, it is the three Ps. Pythons, panthers, people. In, in water, which is a W. <laughs> and man, like a contentious environment. Absolutely. But the point I was getting at is how contentious the Panthers are. Um, and it has parallels to the wolf issue in the Northern Rockies, right down to the idea that the Panther here now isn't the Panther that was here before. Mm. To the point that I'll meet uh hunters i've met hunters who say deer numbers have collapsed now i'm just reporting what people have, i've been getting a earful from everybody on different things um deer numbers have collapsed in many of these areas okay they've collapsed because of the introduction of panthers and i'll say but hold on, when you say introduction that doesn't make sense because it was not even a reintroduction. Like the Florida Panther was always on the landscape. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, it got down to very few. It got down to less than 50. 
at the point that it was left less than 50, they brought in seven or eight females from Texas to supplement the population because they were seeing some inbreeding issues. So they brought in some females from Texas, which in and of itself, even among panther people, people got to fight about that because they had fallen in love with the, some folks had fallen in love with the idea that the Florida panther was not like everybody else's panther. Yep. Now it's all puma con color. It's all the same species. So whether you're talking about a cougar in California, mountain lion in Montana, someone hits one on the road in, in Connecticut, you're in Southwest Florida. Okay. It's, all the same species. A lot it's of the, people think panther and they think black panther. Yep, you know? Yep. It's the beast of many names. Um, mountain lion, cougar, painter, catamount. There's more. All the same critter. All the same critter. Yeah. And the Florida panther, like Florida made the same mistake with their black bears, which we'll get to in a minute here. And we got some more stuff to cover off. Made the same mistake with their black bears by declaring the... It's the Florida black bear and not just like the same, like the, the black bear that used to exist everywhere from the, from California to New York, from Yukon to South Florida, like the black bear, the panther versus Americana versus Americana. The, the black, the, the, the panther was at a time the most wide like of any it had the most widespread distribution of any large mammal in the new world whoa mm-hmm. i didn't know that meaning they've turned up in the mackenzie delta okay so where the mackenzie river flows into the arctic ocean they've turned up from the mackenzie delta to was it tierra del fuego chile the to the southern tip of chile chile to the southern tip of Patagonia. That's how widespread. Yep. Coast to coast, top to bottom in the Western Hemisphere. Two okay. continents. Two continents. That's cool. Well, it got eliminated through poisoning and other things, and, and it wound up in patches. So at some point, Florida's like, it's the Florida Panther. Not like that it's just a little stronghold of the regular old cougar, mountain lion, painter, catamount, panther that exists all across the continent. Numbers got down. And they brought in some from Texas. And the way I've been, like the people, the folk I've just been talking to, like various hunters are like, that now it's a super cougar that lives in Florida the same (laughs) way when when you're in the Northern Rockies, they talk about the reintroduction. And was it 96 or 97? Six, I believe. When they did the wolf reintroduction, there's a widespread belief they brought down the meanest, nastiest super wolves like the meanest, we even heard a guy, we even met a guy one time in British Columbia who's saying that he was like, oh yeah, my buddy worked on getting those wolves and they'd poke them all with a stick and Inject get the them. meanest, <laughs> nastiest ones. Yeah, they had 30 or 40 of them in a big old pen and then they, they weeded out the ones that yeah. were growling the most. He said they'd poke them with a stick and whatever wolves got most riled up, they're like, they'd send, really those, <laughs> send those to America. Yeah, stupid Americans, here you go. Super wolves. <laughs> And there's the idea that by bringing in these seven or eight females, do you mind looking up how many females they brought in? Check me on that. From and Look up where in Texas they came and that, from. That's the first time they'd introduced. They supplemented. Or supplemented the, yep. the, the native they, they supplemented. Population. So they had, 
let probably less than 50 okay less than 50 florida panthers and oh i was getting to something a minute ago why were people mad about that they were mad about that because they felt that the panther the florida panther was like special and unique and people were like oh no if you bring in these texas panthers you're gonna like mess up the florida panther mm -hmm. and most conservation biologists were like listen man you can have a you're gonna have no panthers or you can have a hybridized panther but the way you're going right now it's choosing between those two things they're either going to blip out or you're going to sup you're going to yeah. supplement with with genetics from texas and it really wasn't going to be a hybridized one because pumacon color yeah anyhow they did this and it was very effective that and a bunch of other protections it was very effective and now with the they got less than 300 250 uh, that's yeah that's debatable Debatable. Depends on who you ask. Same thing in, same thing with wolves. <laughs> oh, in, yeah. Same thing with wolves in the Northern Rockies. Depends who you ask. Yeah. yeah. Right? But it's it's it is from it is a widely held belief under the among the deer hunters I've spoken to that um that that has caused a a, a, a impact cratering of deer populations in southwest Florida. Which like you're saying up north people would say wolves some people would say wolves are doing that yeah which is like it, that's it's not a debate that it's an objective reality it's objective it, it's not predators. a debate point it's an objective reality that bringing wool like introducing wolves reintroducing wolves on a landscape has a profound immediate impact on elk numbers mm -hmm. like you can't that doesn't mean that that doesn't need to mean to everybody that they're bad, but it is nonsense to it is nonsense to sit and act like that's not true. Yeah. It's it's like infuriating when people want to act like introducing wolves to a landscape doesn't have a dramatic impact on elk numbers. It just does. Yeah. Take it or leave it like applause it or not but it does yeah right and and acting like they like eat nuts and berries is <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous yeah. and it's not just that it, it's not just like them physically eating things it causes a dramatic shift in behavior and it, it, it's like they climb out of it but when it hits when it hits like when if they do it in florida or sorry when they reintroduce wolves into colorado in the numbers they're talking about they are going to see a massive Decline in elk numbers mm -hmm. in those places. It'll it'll crater and it'll creep back up. It won't get as high as it was. It, it like it'll it'll drop fast. It it'll climb up. This is my prediction. This is my like crystal ball. It'll drop fast. It'll slowly climb up and it won't get as high as it was because how could it? Yeah, there's predators. It's like you're you're putting a you're like take there's a there's a there's a niche that isn't currently occupied and it'll be occupied and they eat seven pounds of meat a day. It's like you, you can't get around this. Yeah. Um. I had I had no idea the way I had no idea that that the that the, 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 the that increase of from sub fifty to two fifty three hundred. More than 300 panthers is attributed to to a point where I was talking to a guy and he was talking about the absence 
um, not for turkey hunting, but, but in part of my wanderings, we were down by the Everglades National Park. And he's talking about an absence of um, mid-sized mammals. Okay? So that raccoons basically, you know, raccoons basically gone. Grinners, possums basically gone. Armadillos basically gone. On and on and on. And I said, oh, man, I thought that was... Uh, the, uh, I thought that was the whole deal with the whole pythons. Like I thought that was attributed to the pythons. He's like, he thinks that the pythons are like a scapegoat. Mm. This is just a dude. Oh. But listen, this is a dude. This is like, this is a guy that has spent his whole life out on the land. His father, his grandfather. That's like all they've done. Yeah. Right. They're like self-identified gladesmen. That's all they've done. And he's not a pessimist. He still gets very excited about turkey hunting, very excited about squirrel hunting. But, uh, and he's, you know, he's not like a conspiracy theorist. He's like, man, that's an impact. In my view, I, it's like a scapegoat because you can go to the dry areas that just aren't even suitable habitat. And instead of those dry areas that aren't suitable habitat becoming like a, a refugia for all the stuff fleeing the pythons. Yeah. They're still in passage. Shit's not there. Yep. But our our experience today would would say that those are the refugia because we were in country that uh, doesn't doesn't supposedly doesn't have or hasn't been has pythons haven't been seen and we saw all those critters. That's a good point. In a short period of time. Yep. Today we went over onto a like a. So we hunted two days on the WMA, which holy cow is just beautiful, man. Oh, I got to hand it to like the like and talk about all the contention in Florida. Um, the state does a beautiful job on those WMAs, man. Mm-hmm. I thought just gorgeous, gorgeous, and very diverse. Just yeah, yeah, like gorgeous. Yeah, but, big country to walk around in, which is not something I expect when I leave the West, right? But you can go. Wear your, wear your feet out if you want. Yep. And like a pretty good, and I found too, like a pretty good blend of walking, hunting, but still some road. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we never some ran options. across another hunter now that we're talking we about We definitely it. did, but still. We didn't. I mean, in the field, we saw other people on the road, but. Yeah. yeah Not cool. in the woods. Not in the woods. Uh-uh. Yeah. I, I really liked it. So hats off on that. Oh, what'd you find, Chester? So, in 1986, three females from Texas, I couldn't find exactly where they were from, were brought to Florida. In 1988, seven wild-caught mountain lions captured in West Texas were released in Florida. Super super cougars. (laughs) In, let's see, in 1993, 19 mountain lions... 11 females and 8 sterile males, both captive rays as well as wild caught, are introduced into the local panther population. Really? Why, st- and then, hmm. why sterile males? I don't know. And then in probably just for study purposes, um, in 1995, 8 wild caught females oh. were, are captured and released in effort. Yeah. So What's the source? Oh, so a total of how many? I had some per- okay. See, 
I mean, that's what you get for just listening to people. <laughs> <laughs> I had someone the other day telling me all about where they came from, and it was like seven females, and that was like the extent of it. Yeah. Okay, so or shows what I those know. were like the thirty-seven. Those were the most recent that really caused that spike. Sounds yeah, like prior to that, it wasn't happening. It could have been where the success began was yeah. that last. Mm-hmm. And this transfer. source is the Mountain Lion Foundation. Okay. So West Texas Super Cougars, and people are pissed, man. Like, I I, I thought it was, like, widely – I didn't know there was the same – I didn't know there was the same element, but what surprised me, what surprised me is the idea that it wasn't, like, a saving existing population, the, the perception. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, saving – the Florida Panther. It was sort of like they made, they they created a, a, a predator and let it loose upon the landscape. Yeah, something needed to occupy that space of what the Florida Panther was occupying mm-hmm. for various different reasons. And the degree to which uh, deer hunters are not happy. No. And also that some people are like, they just don't want them. Mm-hmm. It's like my whole take, like in, in the Northern Rockies, I think like generally with the wolf issue, generally among my peer group, which is broad, if I was going to make a consensus, the consensus would be people welcome wolves on the landscape, but they want to see them managed. Mm-hmm right heavily yeah well but but it's not like like if you went to most people like like if you went to most people you hang out with and said hey i'm gonna give you a magic wand if you wave the magic wand wolves are gone from the lower 48 uh the vast vast majority of people to hang out with would not touch that wand there's a happy medium do you know many people that would that wave the wand one guy's pretty tight with us, Wood. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, but does he have? Does he have like mixed up because? I know. I don't know what. Because he's got lion hounds. Oh no! Oh no! Just, okay. just speaking of the good old days of elk hunting. Oh, I got it. Okay. And that's all I hear about. They're like, we know it's good the way you have it right now, and you're enjoying your elk hunting. But we're, if you had been here mm-hmm. to see how great it was before those wolves showed up. You would want them gone too. Yeah, well, I, I gotta say, I started hunting in Montana the year the wolves showed up. Right, which was the good old days. It was good. Well, it could be a <laughs> pressure issue too. Oh, 100 I mean, percent. There's different People. factors. Right? Well, no, I mean, like most of those populate. I, I want to talk about Florida. I want to talk sure. about a couple things besides Florida, but most of those. I mean, you, you saw like generally you, you see two thirds declines. Well, huh. I got a question with the Florida with the Florida impact of the panther boost to the population. Was that aligned with because during the pandemic, Florida's population boomed, right? A mm-hmm. lot of people moved. Yeah, and that is definitely a factor to this, the deer population. No, this goes no? Bef- yeah. Oh, before this predates that. Okay. pandemic. That, yeah, okay. I was just curious. Definitely. I had a um, I had a girl the other day telling me that. Uh, <laughs> I like that this is hard to measure. She said, Florida is the freest state. Oh. 
I was like, oh, pretty free. Yeah. <laughs> the free. It feels that's pretty like free. the first time anyone's <laughs> ever. The first time there was ever like rated like freedom levels. Facts. This is a fact. <laughs> yeah, like freedom levels. That's got to be pretty. But in Arizona, they're like, damn it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I would think that there'd be some Texans that yeah, would disagree that's with, with Texas. Oh, she's like, Florida's the freest state. <laughs> uh, How big is the uh, Florida Panther range in Florida? Uh, well, that's debatable. The whole depending state. Depending on who you ask. Yeah. I hate when people, when you ask questions so easily learned by just looking it up. <laughs> look that up, Chester. Come on. Yeah, all you <laughs> listeners out there, just look it up. No, Chester. Chester's the today's researcher. Man, that's a fast thumb, chat. That's contentious, meaning there's, well, I don't believe it is, because like with, with, I mean, Lord knows Florida's got a lot of trail cams in it. Uh-huh. Holy smokes. Yeah. I just feel but, like there's not many Panthers that aren't getting photographed. Yeah. Well, there's also been uh, a question of, are they roving males that mm. are going north, or are there actual breeding populations moving it. north? Got so it. I think there may be sightings, or there may be people who feel like they have them in certain places, and that some people attribute that to a roving male, or other people attribute that to an established population. But how would anyone expect anything else to happen than then that they would move north? You have an expanding population. Mm-hmm. You have unexploited prey base mm-hmm. to the north. Panther population, like mountain lion, cougar, whatever you want to call it, their populations are expanding all across the country. Mm-hmm. Why would they not move north? Yeah. Especially as the population grows. It's an animal that doesn't like to be crowded. No shit. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go south. Nope. There's more. It's it's denser population north, though, right? There's more urban in pockets. Yeah, and that that's another thing I appreciate about Florida is that there is somewhat of a corridor that's still intact. So there is travel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rarely do they get farther north of Orlando. Like, there's barely any. Let's see um, that picture. Oh, huh. Oh, yeah. Halfway up. Man, we're in the pocket right now, though, dude, yeah. looking at that map. <laughs> Have you seen panthers out? Turkey yeah. deer hunting? Oh, oh yeah. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Me and Clay caught two tracks the other day. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I got to put that on hold for a minute. Oh, Chester's got big news. But not. It's it's news that is, has no relevance to anybody. Why are you looking at me like <laughs> Only he knows the He's news. excited for Listen, this too. Musicians, musicians oh. worldwide need to pay attention to what I'm going to say, because I found the pathway to to riches for musicians. Chester's going to open for Trampled by Turtles. Oh yeah! Check this out again. Yeah, he's going to open for Trampled by Turtles, July nineteenth. And you Bozeman. know what? The date that they got Chester booked for is booked up. That's Already sold, sold out. out. Chester's show sold out. <laughs> nice. The other shows haven't sold out. So if you're a musician and you want to sell out some shows, get old Chester. You need to get Chester because that's how you sell tickets. Nice. Damn. Chester's show. Can we get on a list maybe for like friends? Yeah, sneak friends me friends? in. How, sneak how do we in. get in? I didn't even know about Chester's this. show has sold out. Are what's you going? The, what's the capacity? It's sold out. When's the tour? Uh, it's not a tour. It's just a. Oh, when when are you playing Florida? Uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, I don't know, man. One step at a time, you know. One oh step yeah, at man. A time. We heard they were talking about when Chester's all strung out on heroin and shit. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Your career has kind of been like one giant leap at a time. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I, w- I kind of wish it were, not wish, but I'm, I'm very happy and excited and I'm learning very quickly, but sometimes I wish it were just maybe a skosh slower. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, man? You got a, you got like a big show coming up now. You, now you're trying to dance. Well, I guess it's already sold out, so it doesn't matter what you say. Well, it's a lot yeah. of pressure, though, right? What, I mean, I just mean like I feel. Nah, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, super excited. But I wish I were a little better at my guitar. Mm. You yeah. do got an angel of. A, and I'm working on it. A voice of an angel, though, too. Thank good, you. good originals. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I, I would do a service announcement and say that buy tickets now to see Chester open for Trample by Turtles, but too late. sold out. Too late. Maybe find a scalper at, Some the, resale. at the door. Yeah. And, that, and other musicians, if you want to get serious about making money and selling tickets, book Chester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Luke Combs. Dirt, you and I got to do a show. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah I wonder if Luke's listening. <laughs> I think he sells his shows out. <laughs> well, you he know definitely what? sells his shows out. If that star stops burning so bright, I know how, what he can do to fix things up. The old Chetical. <laughs> hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So, when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out, there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And I, after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. 
Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to, okay? It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Here's, here's a good story. I already put this on Instagram. So a guy, a, a guy writes in from Michigan and... Uh, a couple of years back, he had to move to another. So he, he's from Michigan, but he had to move to another state for a job opportunity. He's living in a hotel. Um, and living in a hotel where he's at, where, where he's moving to, he's trying to buy a house, but he has to come back to Michigan to gather up his stuff out of his house, his old house. He all of a sudden remembers that he had a, he had a tree stand um, that he left out on state land down the road so he's like shoot and he runs out to get his tree stand he says when i got to the stand i noticed a piece of paper at the base but didn't pay any mind until i climbed the stand and was eye level with something i didn't expect a fresh pair of deer nuts sitting <laughs> in the seat of my stand he sends a picture of it so I, I got a picture of the note and the buck nuts um he wonders about this climbs down and goes and finds the scrap of paper and the scrap of paper says this uh cre- <laughs> he he tore it it's like a scrap of paper written by a by by a, i presume to be a gentleman creeping on other people's stands oh sorry p- creeping on other people's trees stand is immoral and how you end up with nut sacks <laughs> on your stand. <laughs> Creeping on other people's tree stand is immoral, and how you end up with nut sacks on your stand. I bet you never shot deer. Dang. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's getting he, out of control, that's man. That's what he gets for creeping on other people's tree stands. What's really funny is that, uh, well, one, I'm trying to, t- there's a guy we're trying to get on the show that has a, un- like, instead of just reading about it, there's a there's a story 
of a of a public land tree stand spot dispute that spun so wildly out of control. I'm trying to get the guy to come on the podcast just as a guest to be on the show for the whole show to tell the story. Not hearsay, but it'll curl your hair. Oof. I had a guy recently. I saw an email the guy sent in recently, and he he blames. So, so we cover. We've been covering a lot of these like public land debates. People stand my spot. He says it's all a result of this public landowner movement. Because <laughs> he Bullshit. sees he sees the public landowner T-shirts, and he's like, "It's these people that think they own the land." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got side note: a Michigan factoid, please. The dog with the longest tongue ever was a Michigan dog. It was like eighteen inches long. How do you know? How do you know? <laughs> yeah, that? You find I heard it on my, the radio station back home. Wow! If I I don't got my phone checked, could you check that? There's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> the longest tongue of a dog. The Michigan dog. Okay, here's here's a news alert. <laughs> Chester will fact check that. Here's a news alert. Um, this this is a, I wish I understood Michigan or Wisconsin law a little bit better. Like how laws get made. You, 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 so, Chad, how many years have me and Yanni been applying for our uh, sturgeon spearing permit in, in Scani? I don't know, but I feel like I, I didn't I didn't put in the last year or two. Oh, I'm, there's no I, way you wouldn't have put I, in. I've only got two points. How many are you up to? I thought you took care of it. Did we fall off the board on spearing permits? Uh, I don't know. I checked my points the other day, and I was like, what? How well, can that be? If you've been putting, if we got We them. should only have two. Okay, well, maybe that's right then. Three. Either way. Lay that out for people. Okay. Um, in Wisconsin, on Lake Winnebago, it's kind of like a big party fest, and people go and Party spe- fest. Party fest. <laughs> it's my kind of festival. <laughs> it's a party. Burning sturgeon. Drinking fest. Yeah. Party, party fest. You don't have to drink. You don't have to party. You can just spear lake sturgeon through the ice. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go out there. You cut a big hole in the ice with a chainsaw. You back your ice shanty up over the top of it. Throw a decoy down if you want. And wait and wait and wait for a sturgeon to swim under the hole. However, there's these upper lakes in the Winnebago system. And you have to put in. Oh, don't like, tell people about this because me and Yanni are putting in. There's just a better chance for you to spear sturgeon. <laughs> I thought you asked me to explain. <laughs> no. I just wanted you to explain as much as you explained. Now, explain to me this. How could it be that you can spear a sturgeon through the ice, but you can't spear a northy through the ice? Well, because it's illegal. Um <laughs> <laughs> it blows my mind. I, I could, when I read this the other day, I could, uh, there's a thing. I'm getting to a news blip. Yeah, I know about that. How in the hell? I had no idea you couldn't spear northerns through the ice in Wisconsin. No, but I've wanted to for a long time. It seems like it would be like the this target species. Because like, there's a spearing culture there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shocked me. Maybe they just think too you, many people will do it. Yeah, you, they're like, Wisconsin people are too apt to do it. You know how to practice for sturgeon spearing? Mm-mm. You go down to uh, your local gas station and you get a six pack of light beer 
then you come home and you open up the closet, bring a chair in there with you, shut the lights off, and shut the door, and you can't come out of the closet until all six of those light beers are okay. all drank. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a citizen's resolution. Well, okay. During the past year, we've progressed our citizen resolution through multiple Wisconsin DNR committees, and it will finally now be up for a statewide vote online during our spring hearings, April 10th to 13th, in order to legalize the spearing of Northeast. Oh, nice. By which I mean Northern Pike. I wonder how that's polling. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would be polling good, but like, you know, pro spearing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know for sure. Man, I really, really, my recommendation to people that live in Scotty, Wisconsin, is to go. How I don't understand this, though. Like, you can vote online. You, you, I wish I understood this better. So, on April 10th to April 13th, if you live in Wisconsin, apparently you can go online and vote to give you guys a, a Northern Pike spearing season. I know what I'd be doing between the 10th and 13th. I think there's, I I think there's, a, I think there's a lot of fishermen, uh, regular old rod and reelers that uh, don't like the idea of throwing spears at fish. If God didn't want you to spear pike, you wouldn't have made pike spears. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, though, like people in Wisconsin, they keep fish, man. And they fry them up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but you, they like to keep them when they catch them on their rod and reel. They're not spearing steelhead. They're not spearing wally dogs. It's like you're spearing northerns. Here's my advice I, to I people know. that are spearing. I th think we should have a spearing season, and I think there should be maybe kind of doesn't have to be. No, we don't have to have a slot limit, but just use your best judgment and not be killing. If you want northies in your lake. Don't be killing those big, big females. Yeah, but you can't expect. Let's just say you got to write the law, because you can't expect you can't make a law. You know, the reason they put specificity to fishing regulations is because you can't just like make general recommendations to people. Yeah, I know. There's a hundred ways, but if, you if can you on a it, podcast when a bunch of people are are listening. No, you, know? you can't. But I'm saying like I would like <laughs> if it, if it comes down to that you have no pike spearing. Yes. And you're like, well, we can't have, if we allow people to spear pike, they'll spear all the pike. Okay, then why don't you make it that they won't spear all the pike by having a, okay, I don't know, if you're that scared of it, that you're allowed, you know, what, what's the daily bang limit on northerns in Wisconsin? I'm not sure. I think it's lake dependent. Okay. What, what, would, be a, what would be a reasonable number? Five? Yeah, probably. Okay. So right now, a guy with tip-ups can kill five, make it that the spear guy, I'm not recommending this, but I'm just saying, make it that the pike spear has a little bit fewer bag limit. Different season structure. I'm I was know. playing devil's advocate from what I heard when I did my little ice fishing tour there and chatted with people about spear and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people feel like you're going to spear not non-target species and oh bycatch and then and then and, you know you're well just... any musky waters the biggest thing is i think musky 
you know, because you can tell the difference between a largemouth bass and a pike. Pretty yeah, but easy. I wouldn't leave it to people to tell a muskie from a northern. No, no. so musky waters. Don't don't let them. You can't spear in musky waters. Why couldn't you use an example of like a state like Montana where you can spear pike? And you can't spear in. Wait, I don't know if that's true in Montana, but I know in North. Was it North Dakota or South Dakota? North Dakota, we, you cannot spear in musky waters. But uh, okay, if you're talking about, if you're talking about Wisconsin spearing and it, like, first off, I would be that I would limit it to like native musky waters, and not these experimental populations of hybrid hybridized muskies, like tigers. And stuff. Yeah, like native musky waters. I could see some legitimacy in saying you can't spear that you can't spear northerns. I haven't sorted it all out in my head, but I can tell you what I have sorted out. You should be allowed to spear pike in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a blast. I don't care what Giannis says. Uh yeah, you do. Note from a listener. In our recent <laughs> episode, oh, Okay, so we recently had an episode called Snarge, and the episode was about a the profession of keeping animals off runways. I don't know if you guys saw afterward. Did you see that picture I had on Instagram? When? Dude, that's where the action's at. Oh, Instagram. I did. The pilot hitting that deer? <laughs> at Stephen Rinella. <laughs> One of the pictures was, I don't shy away from the gruesome, but since I'm older, I don't do like multiple pictures and stuff on there. I don't set it to music, right? Just clean old style yep. Instagram, you know. Pictures worth a thousand words. Yeah, I don't put like the media. You know, it says up top, like you know, ACDC. <laughs> uh, I don't do any of that. <laughs> Just clean picture. Um, after that show, a guy wrote in, also from Michigan, where uh, he wrote in where his old man ran over a deer on a runway with a plane, and he said it cut the deer in three equal pieces. Which I didn't get based on that post because I know what you're talking about. Say I had a deer that weighed 90 pounds. Yeah. And I cut it into three 30-pound pieces. You'd say that I cut it into three equal pieces. No, but why did the airplane do that? Why, like, the prop. Oh, it got three circulations. Probably, right? Or they, when it hit it with the tire. It, tire in the wing. Left side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have a picture of how it was arrayed, but I didn't put it on there. Not because I was chicken. I, just put, I thought the plane picture was better. No, the plane was cool. Yeah. Bloodied up airplane. Yeah. Um, anyway, on that thing I was saying, I was talking about if you go to control, so, so just to, if people didn't listen to the episode, remember what the miracle on the Hudson, Sully, yep. right? He hit a, hit, his plane hit a fucking Bird geese, strike, yeah. Okay. And part of the work of like mitigate or trying to reduce airline strikes against wildlife is you'll need to go, obviously, the, it's a bigger footprint than just the airport. Yeah. And they even talked about they've had people that where people are, like, feeding grain to ducks nearby, and they've had to be, like, try to approach them mm -hmm. about curtailing those activities that are creating um, potential hazards for airplanes. Okay. And I was saying, I wonder at what point, since most airplane collisions with wildlife happen below a thousand feet and i was saying well how like how far around do you got to get to get that and a pilot 
wrote, and he said, on my flight today, I tested this theory. What airport's AGL? Oh, above ground level. Uh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we learned that. Yep. Uh, it's less than a quarter mile in your 1,000 feet. Oh, so it's fairly small space. Yeah, tight. Well, being in Florida, they got they got to do some of that management for the rockets, I bet. Imagine a rocket smoking mm. a bird. Mm. Yeah. Um, Vaporize. On another episode we recently covered, uh, we covered a guy that was out shed hunting, looking for antlers, and found a... Uh, um, Found a skull, human skull. Oof. Older, like hair on it. A few it years still. old. Oh. And uh, and then uh, our our frequent guest and contributor, um, Heffelfinger, since then found one. No kidding. Mm-hmm. This spring. Mm-hmm. Jim mm-hmm. did. What do you do in that situation? He didn't even touch it. Yeah. Whoa. What was the story? You know? Hunting uh, hunting Havelina with his old man. Yeah, but the story on the person. Doesn't they know. They don't know. He didn't he even just touch called it. in. He didn't want he said he didn't even roll it over. He went no, called, went and called in. He didn't want to get involved and have him been that he messed with it or right. Any idea of the age? I don't know. I haven't followed up with him. He was like he, he didn't want to you know, he's like, Well, it would seem to me that there's a high likelihood that I'm at a crime scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to move anything around. Was he like down in New Mexico in some remote area? Border country, Arizona. So it could have been someone that Uh was coming across the border. Yeah. 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 Let's think about no country for old men. If you came across a buttload of money and a skull. I'd put all that money in that skull, man. Walk (laughs) off. Little suitcase. (laughs) Uh you got, I don't know if you heard about this. So they, they just coming out of the permafrost, there's pictures of it. Um, in Siberia, a 3,500-year-old brown bear just melted out of the permafrost. Astonishingly good condition. Nice. Fully furred. Still had his brain tissue. Still has brain in it. Whoa. You know what he'd eaten? He'd eaten, uh, his stomach was packed full of bird feathers and... Uh, Bird feathers and plant matter. Hmm. What Three, kind of what kind of critter? Brown bear. It's like one of the 3005. first. I mean, that's not that old. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be any different than today's brown bear, but it's cool. Yeah, it is yeah. cool. Three thousand five hundred year old brown bear out of the permafrost. It's like birds. one yeah. of the first times they've been able to like test some brain tissue mm-hmm. of a something that old too. Right? See what he was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> How does a bear smoke a get a bird? That would that would seem pretty tricky. Ground nesters probably, yeah, probably ground oh, or yeah. just dead. Oh yeah, dead scavenging. crap you left laying around or picking up ground nesting birds wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean I, one of my favorite stories I like to tell is when I was calling turkeys and called in a black bear that was like oh yeah feet breathing behind me. I mean he was coming to get a bird. Yep. Uh, that's interesting. He had still had you can still see the yellow fat when they dissected it. Whoa. It had a spinal injury. Avalanche debris or something? Don't know. That would be my... On an island. Uh, nope. Um, Callahan recently, speaking of stuff and stuff stomach, Callahan, they recently cut open a... a cougar? 
cut open a Texas mountain lion. See that Texas mountain lion. Think about him. Well, he's got to be pissed because he's he like, man, be- I could have been brought down to Florida. <laughs> oh, hot. <laughs> kinds of lonely women down there. Instead, they got shot in Texas. They opened his gut up, and uh, he Cal sent me a picture. It had eight pounds chewed up. Cal says mule deer meat. How does he know? Oh, that's good. How maybe maybe it was a bunch of mule deer hair in with it. Uh, Colombo down here. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's probably right, man. Yeah, eight pounds of mule deer meat. Wow. It looked like I told Cal to save it because it looked like something I could put right under my trump. <laughs> like I could put it right under my trompo. No problem. Just like minced up, pre-marinated, minced up meat. Um, Corinne, who's not with us today, she's been uh really spent a lot of time reading about how uh, the news covers turkeys, turkey attacks. Um, turkeys driving people out of their homes, like like very aggressive turkeys. Mailmen, right? Attacking mailmen, yeah, mailmen, mailmen carrying pistols and pepper spray to pepper spray turkeys. Oh, yeah, like turkeys... Yeah, there's a turkey hunter thinks a turkey's one way, and suburbanites think a turkey's another way. (laughs) There's an Instagram account that uh, Seth pointed me on to, and some of those turkeys were carrying like swords and a little shield. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like you said, yeah, with that osseo, the one, the bird you got, those are some sharp spurs down here. Oh yeah, listen to what this. You don't want to carry a male in his neighborhood. (laughs) Okay, listen to what this woman went through. This is, I think this is reported in the Washington Post. The headline is, a turkey settled near her Minnesota home. Now she carries weapons. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is unbelievable. I'd read that story. She lives in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Around 2021, summer 2021, a turkey dropped from her roost and forced her to the ground. The turkey ripped her jacket scattered her bag of eggs, coffee, and other groceries on her front lawn. Downright assaulted by a turkey. Yeah. From above. Build the eggs. Damn it. Okay. She calls and says, she calls her fishing game agency and says she wants the turkey relocated. They say they don't do that. They don't relocate turkeys. Good for them. Gross. This is the woman's name. Her last name is Gross. Gross 41 said the turkey has placed her and her neighbor's lives in turmoil. (laughs) She now wears safety goggles when she steps outside and carries a broom, a golf club, (laughs) and a water bottle for self-defense. I'm pretty stressed out and pretty anxious all the time. Gross told the Washington Post, I can't even have peace. The turkey appeared at a Merola home park with seven others in the summer of 2021, Gross said. When the pack departed a few weeks later, this turkey remained. Okay, I'm paraphrasing and reading. The turkey became attached to Gross, following her on drives to Chipotle where she worked. <laughs> no, following her on drives when she went to get food at Chipotle. That might be why he's following her. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how far Chipotle is from her house. I don't know. And following her. She works at a nursing home, and the turkey would follow her there. Bad journalism here. It's here 24-7. <laughs> okay. Because did the journalist ever ask, are you feeding, or did you ever feed the turkey? Hear me yeah. out. This <laughs> is It's going to emerge. Okay. Okay. 
Gross said she called emergency services and Minnesota's Department of Natural Resources. Experts advised her to remove bird feeders across the neighborhood because the turkey would flee without a food supply. It would flee. (laughs) 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 They can't help themselves, man. Journalists journalists writing about wildlife can't help themselves. The turkey would flee if it didn't have food. But Gross said she sees corn strewn around the mobile home park where she lives. She believes someone's feeding the turkey. Soon after the first attack, Gross said the turkey pecked at her feet and left a scar. (laughs) Around that same time, the turkey attacked another resident. Since the turkey settled near her home, Gross said neighbors have blamed her for entering their neighborhood. The turkey sleeps on her roof or on a tree outside her home. The turkey gobbles throughout the night. When she opens the blinds on her kitchen window in the morning, the turkey glares at her. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Listen, man, this is a true story. (laughs) Gross at first named the turkey Gladys, but as it grew, she came to believe it was male. Changed its name to Reggie. There's a picture of it. It very definitely is. Though she hasn't confirmed the the turkey's gender or age. Gross says she has applied every precaution from wildlife experts. Doesn't keep any food outside of her home. Doesn't play loud music out of fear it would attract the turkey. Hasn't grilled outside in two years. <laughs> Just Chipotle. Yeah, she would not be able to buy our new outdoor cooking cookbook. It would be irrelevant in her life. She bought a horn to scare the turkey, but it just provoked the bird. She got shot gobbles out of it. (laughs) (laughs) She sprayed water on it, and that scared the turkey away for two weeks. October 21, okay, the whole neighborhood canceled the Halloween trick-or-treating because of the turkey. (laughs) She now has to walk neighborhood children to the bus stop to protect them. Where's this the kids again? use sticks, Minnesota. She says the turkey so aggressively attacks her car's tires that she has to refill the tires with air weekly. <laughs> Speaking of scapegoats. When family members come to visit, they can't because they're scared to enter to approach her home. I'm so exhausted, she said. I hope this gets a solution and someone comes to help. <laughs> Yanni. She wants to have a peaceful summer with her kids and grandkids and actually have a barbecue and just be able to relax. Now, why don't they relocate it? When a turkey is rounded up after wounding people, that turkey is euthanized and served as food to someone who needs it. (laughs) That's what the article says. Yeah. And this woman doesn't want the turkey to be hurt. Oh, jeez. Man, it's probably dry driving down the property value around there. She recently walked out of her house and jumped when a bird flew because she thought it was a turkey coming for her. That's old Reggie. (laughs) (laughs) Old Reggie. Causing him all sorts of trouble. The other day when he was talking to, she was talking to a journalist and she said, quote, he's out there pecking at my tires. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quick another hit on turkey news, which is really interesting. So this is an old study from the 1960s where they were trying to find out um, 
sexual arousal in turkeys. Okay. And they began taking a male turkey and trying to find out what on a female turkey is the male turkey attracted to. Okay. So they start out with a turkey model and they start removing parts from it to see at what point the turkey <laughs> wants to stop. These are domestics. At what point the turkey wants to stop breeding it. This is a government uh, survey or like university pro- researchers. University this is like a decoy that they're putting out in like a yeah. farm. Um, Dr. Uh, Pennsylvania State. Hey, Seth, you'll appreciate this. Penn State. Ooh. Ooh. They began with a taxidermically prepared female turkey model and a pen of active males. In order to learn what specifically gets the turkey visually interested in making more turkeys, a.k.a. making love, the two that's my input, the two <laughs> men slowly removed parts of the turkey model one by one. They detached the feet, the wings, and eventually the entire body of the taxidermy turkey until the stick-mounted head and neck held like a puppet remained. The paper is called Stimuli Eliciting Sexual Behavior. Male turkeys presented a body without the head. Okay. Yep. Follow me? Male turkeys presented a body with no head would display, but they wouldn't mount it. If you presented the head alone and held it upright, they would go try to copulate the air behind the head. (laughs) Can we mention what... Your theory about what happened yesterday? Yeah, I was going to say, that's, uh, we have a side note story about turkey sexual arousal. Can I finish this real quick? Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. Get into that's that. what I was going to get to afterwards. Yeah. Sorry. Their thinking, and this is <laughs> academic thinking, their thinking is, I, I don't want to get into how they all did, but like, why would that matter? Their thinking is that when a turkey, okay, picture your male turkey, when you're, um, you know, right? Aroused a little bit. When you're, when you're, Making love with a female turkey. They're saying, well, he can't see nothing but her head and neck anyway. <laughs> That's what it actually says in his paper. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is contemporary? <laughs> no, it's from the 60s. Oh, okay. <laughs> it goes on and on. Well, it's from the 60s, you said. Yeah. It goes on and on. People just thought different back then. I mean, I could read this for days and I wouldn't be done. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's 
features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to, okay? It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater. Make sure you use code MeatEater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. One last thing. So I'm going to bring it back. So check and see how this has flowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got into turkeys. with Florida. We got into turkeys. Now we're going to get into Florida turkeys. Nice. Tracking. Yep. Huge. Just the other day, a couple days ago, Florida's Fish and Wildlife Commission. Have you heard about this giant turkey poaching bust? No. They just released just a couple days ago. Huh. No, I have not. Charges filed against a feller by the name of Sidney Brent Hurst, born in 85. 37. Mm-hmm. Good math. Hmm. Um, charged with the following. Taking over the season bag limited turkeys, taking over the season lim- season bag limited deer, scheming to defraud, armed trespass, unuseful use, unlawful use of two way communication device, and cheating. So this is the, this is an interesting thing. Uh, I'd like to spend more time on this. Did you guys listen to Clay's? Clay, did you guys listen to Bear Grease podcast episode about the serial turkey poachers in Ohio? 
Oh, where it was like part of the, I think so. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Clay's one of Clay's masterpieces. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Hiding the guns, right? No, yeah. no, 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 different one. It, it, like he's got Clay has two. Bear Grylls podcast is two masterpieces. There's a series on the original Outlaws. That's the one I'm thinking of. And then he's got a series on Undercover Game Warden. Oh, okay. And in this series on the Undercover Game Warden focuses very heavily on a turkey on um, him inserting himself in an undercover sense, like moving to their town, becoming friends with, spending years undercover with turkey poachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And reading it, you might think to yourself, how is that? Like, how does the the juice warrant the squeeze? Mm-hmm. All that effort, yeah. This guy, a paid undercover no no discredit to the guy he's doing his job you send in a paid undercover guy to like move into a town assume a false identity and live for years to get some turkey poachers to bust some turkey poachers it it just seems like it seems it strikes me as weirdly asymmetrical Mm -hmm. well it shows how much value we put on our wildlife sure it does but in the end like normally when you picture someone an undercover agent spending years with someone you picture that people are going away to jail for a long yeah. long time like organized crime or something you don't picture someone's gonna do like <laughs> 30 days in the local <laughs> slammer and have a revocation of hunting privileges for five years it's just you know what i mean it's like you yeah. think of like it's like oh they must be trafficking and narcotics yeah. and murdering people i don't know you know like I said, like I don't mean to discredit, but like no. the thing that I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I get the work, I support the work. It just felt asymmetrical, like the the effort from the agency, the the the, the effort in in the way I mean, like change these people's lives, right? For the relatively light, the relatively light punishment that goes that 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 goes to those offenses, um. Maybe the punishment should be worse. I don't know. But here, here's what's crazy. So they they started investigating this guy in 2020. Okay. No, no undercover guys. But they started investigating this guy in 2020. And it just started with, so Florida Fish and Wildlife, it starts with they get a guy where they realize that a guy and his young son had both taken over the season bag limit of wild turkeys, which is two. Two. Okay. Um, and they start looking into him. They realize this guy killed between fifteen to twenty wild turkeys. My caramba! In a season, spring twenty, spring twenty twenty. Fifteen to twenty wild turkeys. Okay. I'm reading from uh, this piece right here, my FWC. Okay. So as reported by the state. Given the extent of the violations uncovered during the 2020 season and the necessity to ensure Hearst would be held accountable for all his actions, the decision was made to extend and widen the investigation to gather any and all information regarding his poaching activities. So here you got a guy, you already know he killed 50 to 20 birds. Maybe they didn't have good admissible evidence, right? Whatever. And they're like, let's let him keep at it for another season and see what he does in the next season. During spring 2021, did a bunch more. So what did he do in the 2021? 2021, spring t- season, 
30. Damn. Now, the criminal trespass thing, armed criminal trespass, is he's trespassing on four different properties with a gun and killing birds off, trespassing to kill birds. 30 turkeys during the spring season. Guess how many bucks he killed during 20, the 2020-2021 general gun season? 14. Shot 20 bucks. Jesus. Damn. What's he doing? Was he selling like mounts and stuff? Doesn't get into it. Doesn't get into it. Remember that? Oh. They then, here's, here's, this is where I'd like, to, I'd like to talk to someone involved in this investigation. So, Corinne, when you, you should find someone to talk about this just to help explain it from, from Florida fishing game. They then extend the investigation into the spring 22 season. Killed 15 turkeys that season. Numbers dropped. Eventually, they go and search, do a search warrant that on they his place. know of. Oh yeah. When they searched his place, they executed a search warrant. One hundred and fifty-six pairs of turkey spurs. One hundred and fifty-five turkey beards. Twenty-one, twenty-one buck antlers, buck racks. He was a collector. Jeez, man, got a screw loose. Yeah. Uh, a lot of turkeys, man. I wonder how he did it. I don't know. It doesn't get into that. That's why I'd like Those to Those were all you know. call-ins or shooting them with a rifle or well, something. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because like, on one around. hand, you're like, if he's calling that me birds in. Should be applying he's skills a good somewhere else. She'd be like, yeah. I mean, like the guy. But I just got a feeling that ain't the case. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if he is, he's a hell of a, I mean, like, whatever. It's, I mean, if that's like you know two things can be true at once right yeah like horrible person hell of a turkey hunter yeah good woodsman but Did it say uh, if they were all males gobblers spurs well they confiscated 155 sets of spurs you remember steve there was that big poacher in the sealy swan mm-hmm. he got some serious prison time yeah i don't know what they do down here but that was like that was when I was I was at a I was at a thing one time I was at an event one time and I met I, we are, we should get this guy on the show too. There was a warden presenting at a thing about super poachers. Yeah, and his take is that you have that that ten percent you know the old like ten percent of blank you know ten percent of the fishermen catch ninety percent of the fish ten percent of the poachers poach ninety percent of the game. Yeah. And he was he was a specialist in psychological profiles of super poachers, hmm. and um, he was kind of like the gist of his deal was that fish and game agents would be better suited to learn to recognize the patterns of super poachers and focus on super poachers. Um, put more energy into recognizing when that's what you're dealing with and catching those individuals who will poach massive amounts of stuff over an entire lifetime. Yeah. Um, he didn't, I don't think he meant like instead of, but like in addition to the normal patrolling you do yeah. on a day to day basis, like, aha, you didn't buy your license. Yeah. You know, it'd be like, this is a thing to be taken seriously. Yeah. Like these, these chronic super poachers. And in the work he did on super poachers, he's like, they are, they're sociopaths. Yeah. They're like the same level of sociopath that, that you, you might be a sociopath and become a murderer. 
there's a form of sociopath, sociopathy that becomes that. Mm-hmm. But he felt that it's it's driven by these same things. That it is, it, it's like sociopathic behavior. Yep. And it's in and, and and that's what you are. But for whatever reason, some sociopaths go in in that direction and become like habitual, chronic, illegal killers of wildlife. Well, this, this dude seems like Florida dude, definitely. If you're keeping all that, and there is a collection. There's a there's a collection aspect. Yeah. And what he got into is like a thing that drives them is that they're smarter than everybody else. Uh, they're getting away with it. Yeah. Yep. They're smarter than everybody else, and that's like a common. That, that's common in that behavior type. What the Florida? It's like you're proving how smart you are. Yeah. You know. Would the Florida guy get sentenced if they found all that shit? I'm sure he's been charged, right? Or no, they they haven't sorted all that out yet. Judicial proceedings are pending. Sociopath. Mm-hmm. Okay, Yanni, what'd you think about hunting Osceola turkeys? Hmm. He only got one. Cool. Oh. <laughs> I got thirty. <laughs> well, what did what did you want to say about the interesting thing about the? No, that's turkey. Yanni's theory. Well, we could, by the turkeys having mating and having sex. Yeah. Well, we saw some interesting mating, oh, yeah, mating activity during my turkey hunt. Yeah. Which we'll get to. Yeah. We'll hit on it when it comes to But that top level, what I find interesting about them, um, very uh, fickle turkeys uh, around when they want to gobble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> silent bobs man it's not just a high pressure low pressure thing which seems to be most places we hunt you know you, you don't mean atmospheric the... pressure yeah oh i'm sorry when you say pressure I think... oh yeah it, it, obviously hunting pressure yeah. messes with them too but uh you know it seems like most places we hunt if it's high pressure you, you feel like you're going to hear more gobbles and low pressure you'll hear, hear less but here uh the clouds and the fog and how much uh, sun they can see in the morning really seem to affect them. With First the di- morning we're out, you know, amazing gobbling. Amazing Scout, gobbling. We were scouting. Yep, scouting the day before season. Bright, bright, sunny morning. <laughs> Sounded like a gunfight out there. <laughs> Dude, I kept ducking. Maybe it's directly related to how many Skeeter bites you get. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was the worst Skeeter morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the worst skeeter morning. It was unbelievable. Right. Yeah. If the mosquitoes are bad, the goblins good. <laughs> and that was a scout day. It was not a hunt day. No one hunted those birds. Mm-hmm. And the next day, <laughs> silent Bob. Was that yeah. a? Was that a? Spit? Was no, foggy. that was his beak zipping <laughs> shut. Oh, not a. Go on, Giannis. <laughs> you know, I'm a. Uh, I, I was already a super slam holder. Oof. <laughs> you so, were. So there's no sense to me. You know. Oof. Explain. Everybody, know. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows. Uh, yes, I, I'm some kind of slam holder now that I got my Osceola. I don't know which one. Grand Slam? Mm-hmm. Grand yeah. Slam. Mm-hmm. Super nice. Slam is when I go get my ghouls, right? You know, the other day I became a two-time <laughs> Super Slam <laughs> holder. This yeah. is the first I've heard of this. Yeah. Two-time Super Slam holder. Nice. Right. Which I could easily catch up to you if tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, you'd become a two-time Grand Slam holder. Well, I know. But then in a year's time, when I go to Mexico, Mexico is two-bird kind of a hunt. 
Yeah, it might all be dead by then. I don't know. Well, how about this? Yanni, this is your opportunity to be the first one to be a single slam. Single season slam holder. Ooh, that's right. I could hold that over Steve for a long time. Steve's expression is... <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like that there's even a prospect of this. Listen, I'm trying to interview Yanni about Osceola Turks, man. I'm not here to have a big old... It's not a competition. not here to have a big old... Who's better? Well, you started it. A big old... Uh, measuring contest. Snood, snood, measuring snood measuring contest. measuring contest here, man. Big snood swinging contest. I'm, I'm going to face Steve up put my feet right on his little pillow. See, look how big those feet are. And I'll also remind you, Steve, that on this trip, Yanni had the bird with the biggest beard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve's bird, we went to put it in at the check station, and the guy that checked the bird in, he said... Yeah, he masculated He me. said, uh, oh... Just a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> it was a long beard, though. Listen, That's I didn't so shoot. When he, when he was coming, I was like, it was too early in the hunt for Jake. I got nothing against shooting Jake's, and shooting Jake's is legal in Florida. I saw his head coming through the grass, and I was like, I wonder if that's a long beard. You said legal, right? It, it's No, sorry. It's permissible mm-hmm. to shoot a Jake in Florida. I am not above shooting Jake's. I'll shoot Jake's. Um, like a last day, Jake, great by me. Mm-hmm. Are you are you opposed to it? Uh it's complicated. Okay. <laughs> I, my first bird was a Jake, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm completely opposed to it. But I feel like once you're into turkeys. I don't know why you'd shoot a Jake. Mm. You ever think about trimming your beard down so it's just so it's just a big turkey long beard? <laughs> if, if you took about three quarters of that, if you took three like quarters of that beard off, you'd have an eight inch beard, man. Got a Jake going on now. <laughs> <laughs> so you did it once and won't do it again. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I like, you know, you know. Here's the, check here, the box, but but let me bring that back. That's at home, right? Like maybe if I was out traveling mm-hmm. and i had like a trip that's like oh i got three days i got four days on the fourth day of turkeys in front of me things might i might think differently yeah so i'm like a no jakes at home well here's a weird thing people do like this is a weird logic thing people do people that are opposed to killing jakes for you listeners at home that don't have any idea what we're talking about we're talking about a, a adolescent or one-year-old turkey mm-hmm. okay? so you hunt turkeys in the spring a Jake is a is a male bird that was born the spring before. He's one year old and he'll have a beard, you know, one, two, three inches long. Um, and he doesn't have any spurs. He's got little nubbins. He's got little warts where his spurs will eventually develop. Uh, people that don't like it, don't they, the people that are opposed to shooting Jakes are like, well, you're shooting the bird that will become a long beard, mm-hmm. like Spike. Okay. Well, I'm like, well, you know, a really good way of getting rid of a long beard <laughs> is to kill him. <laughs> it's like to be like, oh, no, in another year, if it's still alive, it will have turned into a long beard. It's like, well, the long beard is a long beard right now. If you want more long beards, don't shoot the long beard. That's a but great way to have more long beards. There's also the argument that like a Jake's stupid, right? Or stupider than the gobbler yeah so it's like eh, it's easy i, I don't question. have listen i don't I, i'm all for if i if i had my pick like i said 
I said that, remember? I was like, I'm not above it, but I wasn't ready yet. And I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it had a beard. I saw I had a long beard. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow? Last day. See, what happens, we yep. got we have two turkey tags. We have a turkey tag that's good for, uh, we have like a, a, a turkey tag that was good for a wildlife, a state wildlife management area. It's like a public land turkey tag. And then we have a turkey tag that's good for a private land turkey tag. If tomorrow I was presented with an opportunity on a Jake, I would take the Jake. Mm-hmm. Cause I like eating turkeys. I've yeah. got a question. I wouldn't give you a hard time. Can I wouldn't Jake's <laughs> Jake's can breed, right? Yeah. Anyways, I shot a long beard. I was, he had big nice spurs, and we checked it in. And the the person tried to emasculate me and said it was little. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. If you're wondering, the Osceola turkey ranges like the biggest one. The WMA checked in was twenty point five pounds. Mm-hmm. Which was an exceptional bird. Because yeah. you had what looked to me like a very respectable bird, and he was what? 18, right? Yeah. Hey, did you by chance by catch that. the low end? Was there anything I didn't, I didn't in ask the him 14? About, well, Steve's he, he definitely thought mine was on the low end at 13. Yours only was at 13. Was it 15 or 13? 13, I yeah. think. Wow. That was, was the, that was with the guts That's in quite it. interesting that there's a five-pound difference. And that was with the guts in it. Yeah, mine was ungutted to 18 and a half. Five no, difference. no, mine was 16. Let me take that back. But still, five-pound range, you know? It's interesting. And this bird had developed sharp spurs. Inchers? No, he, he no. Richards were inch. Remember he measured mm-hmm. them? Inch? Yeah. Um, I think he said three-quarter inch when he measured mine. I can't remember. Well, Yanni's one was inch, one was three quarter. Yeah. yeah. Well, he had a weird one of his spurs was weird. It looked like it had broke at some point or something. It was like kind of even turned. So they're fickle on fickle on goblin. Mm-hmm. Smaller than mid, like midwestern, eastern birds. Oh, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, the, uh, you know, people are gonna say, ah, no, it's just whatever you might even disagree here but the gobble is definitely different and between that the the humidity i'd like and the weather not only in what they sound like but what my own calls sound like and how far they travel and it took me it maybe i'm still figuring out like it's hard to say exactly how far those birds were Mm -hmm. now i'm thinking the first morning i think i overran one Mm-hmm. because I was looking back to my listening spot to where I ended up, and I'm like, I'm 1,200 yards away. There's no way I was hearing this turkey. Mm-hmm. You had a good yeah. point about that. V- vegetation has a huge impact on that here. Yeah. Because you could be, like a, a bird could be inside a hammock, and you could be 300 yards away and not hear it. Tell people what a hammock is, Richard. A hammock is it's basically uh, an ecology of higher elevation that like supports oak trees, cabbage palms. It's just a drier environment where basically it's it's dry all year round. Mm-hmm. So it changes depending on like the hydro periods, like what kind of ecology, a pine island, a hammock, or a prairie, or whatnot. So uh, a hammock is basically like our hills. Mm-hmm. So vegetation becomes very dense, a lot of tree cover, and squirrels. It, squirrels. Yep. And it does. It's not like necessarily a hill. It could. It's like it's a, a foot, foot of yeah. elevation yeah. different. That that's. I mean that's that sort of like what defines uh, Southern Florida is just like it's not a you know 
ecology doesn't change in thousands of feet. It changes in inches. Like complete yeah, you can, change. You can't it. see the elevation change any way you know it's there is mm-hmm. the different plants yeah, growing. You just on. look at the different plants and like yeah. that's a foot lower. So so if he's if he's out overlooking a prairie or in some thin pines, you could hear him from a mile away. Especially if he's like on the edge of a big prairie. That whole prairie just works like a echo chamber and it just project that gobble. Well, like I said, inside a hammock, I mean, you could be standing right outside the thing and you're like, like, was that a gobble? His gobble's like, (laughs) I mean, I, and the cypress domes as well, they kind of act in the same manner. It eats the gobble up. Yeah, it eats the gobble up unless he's on the edge of it over the water. But if he's inside that dome, it's like, you know, I've had a, I've had one bird that I hear that gobble, I'm like, man, that's far away. And I call him again, and all of a sudden, the next gobble, and I'm like, oh, no, like, sit down, you know? And it just eats up that sound. So it's, it's very, like, you have to, like, kind of gauge not only distance, but, like, what they're in. Like, what are you looking out across? Yeah. You know? And you can say, like, there's this hammock there. And, like, we had that one situation where we heard that bird way off. And from where we were at, we're like, man, is that across the prairie or on our side? Like you couldn't even tell till you got around the island we were on. Like once we had the island behind us, then we were like, oh, it's all the way across the prairie. Yeah. Which then we tried to cross the prairie. And yeah, that's a good point. That's a lot of times listening to critters, I feel like it's that way. You have to get close enough to then source it. Mm-hmm. to go oh yeah okay now i know you yeah. but that's you know? not all always the case here because like like i said with like those thin pines if 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 what everything in front of you is those thin pines you can also gauge that differently like i've i've put pins on birds that i've heard from way off and it's three quarter of a mile and i get there and he's right there three quarter of a mile you know it's just like it just changes relative to the to the habitat and ecology so and it must. I mean, I think that the humidity in the air and how foggy I'm it sure. is. Sure, and the wind, right? right. The wind's going at your back. Uh huh. It's gonna be harder to hear them because that's one of the things I think we might have missed out on. And like yesterday morning, we didn't we didn't really look at which direction the wind was going in, and like where we had set up was basically not in favor of where the birds were. So there could have been more that we weren't hearing because the wind at our back behind us, I haven't been hearing any birds roosted in there. Everything mm-hmm. was in front of us. So, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I didn't even think that morning to take a look at that. So, but it has an impact. You guys did good. Yeah. I mean. Oh, Richard put us on them. <sighs> you guys did really good. How many weekends? Two days of hunting. I've been out here for the last f- uh, five weekends before season. And th- three of which I camped. So I was here. You know, Saturday, uh, Friday through Sunday. So, how hard would you have, if 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 you weren't hosting us, you'd have still scouted, but you you wouldn't have scouted. Wouldn't as have hard. camped. Yeah, I'd probably just do like one day a weekend. So I probably would have just hit it on a Saturday and then hit a different area on a Sunday. But I basically, you know, Saturday and Sunday. I called scouted Richard. Your up. Little took us off, man. Well, I wasn't scouting for one person. I was scouting for three people. So. Yep. I called them up before we did this, and I said, "It's like, how are you feeling about it? What are the chances, you know, we're going to get some birds? And 
he was like, well, I basically kill a turkey every opening weekend, but I'm worried about four people, you know, the film. He was real worried about having four people in there with with us falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told him these are quiet professionals. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, as you guys found out, you know, very thick vegetation, a lot of noise, like a lot of things can make too much noise. Mm-hmm. Especially you multiply that times four. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't any different than what we've encountered yeah. in the past. No, I, and I, after having spent this week with all you guys, like I realized that, you know, you guys all know. Yeah. Like you're all aware of that. And my fears and my anxiety that I'd spoken to you about before is just my, I've never filmed a hunt, right? I've, I've taken people out who are like new to hunting or, you know, they're like, hey, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm like, yeah, let's go scout or whatever. And, you know, I take them out and it's through the water and crack stepping on palm trees, you know. And so that's just in my head of like my experience of, you know, being with people because I spend most of my time alone out there. So, but it was, you know, it was really nice to hunt, you know, to be with you guys, to be with guys who like are that conscious or like that present of like sound and like movement and like, you know, all of that. Because I'm usually the guy like, stop, you know, and it was it was nice to be in that company. Well, you still had to give us some tips on how to walk through the water. Oh yeah, and that really helped. <laughs> yeah, and hot tip. Coincidentally or not coincidentally, we we're approaching a bird, getting closer. We had we had been calling at him at probably 400 yards. He was answering. Mm-hmm. We decided he was on the other side of a slough. Mm-hmm. We were like, well, let's get closer anyways, and just you know get on top of him as close as we can and see what we can make happen. And we got to that whatever it was, 150 yards and mm-hmm. had to go through some water to get there and he never gobbled again. Yeah. He's like, big old gator coming. <laughs> yeah. What's the tip? Roll your foot. Yeah. He don't, like, he don't like any kind of foot slapping noise on the water. Yeah. If you step down on the water, you're just going to clap it, you know, just clap, clap as your foot's coming down on the water. So when you're walking through that water, you got to, you know, hit with the heel and just roll. And even like, I'll even go so far as like do it on an angle. So my foot, my feet will almost be like turned in and just kind of like, you know, walking <laughs> like that. And like, you know, so the, the, the loudest blade, noise, the, blade the water of your boot coming, heel. Yeah. yeah, the loudest noise is then the water coming off your boot and hitting back down on the water, which is probably as close as you're going to get to a deer walking through the water. So, And we could hear the turkeys walking through water as a big mm-hmm. indicator, oh, yeah. which we would be way louder than that. You guys heard turkeys walking through the water? First morning, we had a hen go through the, the puddle that was on the road that we had oh, set up a on. Road puddle, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could hear. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift. Especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to, okay? It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame 
instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hey everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who, over recent months, I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. So go on with to tell tell everybody about what happened. Uh, just my whole hunting story. Yeah, because yours is better than ours. We just we killed a couple silent bobs. Mm. No, mine was silent bob too. Yeah, you get to watch and do all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Well, and what's really cool about and you got you saw some love making. Well, yeah, and I think probably the most the coolest part about it is that uh, I was able to use some turkey woodsmanship. Mm. And. Even though I knew, you know, Richard had given me a, I, the scouting morning, we had heard a bird in this area, didn't go after him, didn't get any closer, just had heard him gobble a few times. 
And then the first morning of hunting, we ended up just doing a loop out into this zone. And we get out into this giant prairie. It's late in the day. It's like 11, 11.30, giant prairie. We're walking down a road on the edge of the prairie. And it's hot. I mean, coming on, it's 80 plus. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about hitting the pool. Yep. <laughs> We're enjoying the breeze that's now in the opening after we just had walked through a hammock for a quarter mile or half mile or whatever. And uh, I'm looking at the ground like, man, a bunch of turkey tracks. You know, and I wasn't a good enough woodsman at that moment to be like, slow down <laughs> and start looking for turkeys. <laughs> and we took five more steps and like, don't get down. And and we didn't bump them hard, but when I peeked back up over the grass, I could, I didn't just, like it. I could see them moseying off, you know. They saw just enough to mosey them off. But mark the location. Mark the time of day. And I said, okay, well, tomorrow, if it's 1130 now, I'll be here by 10. And I'm just going to be hanging out waiting if you guys like to do this thing daily. And the other thing I liked about that spot was we hadn't seen boot tracks. Mm-hmm. We had seen boot tracks other places, but that place, no boot tracks, no trail cameras. So it seemed like it was a little untouched. Next day, we have kind of what I just described. We chased some birds in the morning. They gobbled all right, but they were across the slough, couldn't get on them. And then we make the move over there. We get to where I wanted to set up, and Richard didn't quite like it in this gap. It was too sunny. Didn't really have a lot of shade to hide. Yeah, that was that's a hot tip of his. He don't like that yeah. direct sun. He wants Because mm-hmm. here you got so much good stuff to hide in. Yeah. You don't want to get picked off. You can get into sun. the dank, you know? Like even yeah. the fabrics of your clothes will just shine. Well, that, that's anywhere. You yeah. always want to set up in the shade. Yeah, but I'm saying, I know, but here you really can hunker in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you're hunting grasslands studded with ponderosa pines. Yeah, there's no place to hide out there. You know, it's like, it's just different than here. I mean, you can you can nestle in. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you can, you can nestle in too much. Mm-hmm. Can't see anything, and then and you can always just cut one, maybe two of those saw palmetto uh, branches. I don't know what you call them, Mm -hmm. saw palmettos. Yeah, and and just they're perfect. They got if you cut it at an angle, it's like a little stake. Yeah, it just right, and I mean, boom, you got ground blind set Mm -hmm. up. Yeah, it's almost like a like I don't know, like a palm frond. Frond, yeah, that's the word. You can make a quick little blind out of palm fronds. Yeah, and. uh so we kind of move around a corner. It's a smaller prairie that's connected to a bigger, bigger prairie by the 30-yard gap of, of hammocky trees, and then there's kind of a road parallel in the both of them. So we come in on the side road, and finally we find one spot. It's too uh, covered up in poison ivy. So we move down the road a little bit, find another spot. Again, getting late in the day. Everybody's kind of losing their edge, and... We get in there, break some branches, do some things, set up. We got Seth and uh, Garrett with us. And uh, snack bar time. Have some snacks, some water. I kept telling Garrett, just like, let me know when you're all tucked in and ready because we're going to give a couple calls and we got to be like ready to not move when it's go time. You know, we're going to give it an hour here and see what happens. And uh, he says he's ready. Seth's ready. We're all set up. And I don't even get through the first set of clucks, and a hen starts clucking back at me, close. Mm-hmm. And what pot call are you using right now? That was the uh, I was using that new Morgan Stern Green Slate. 
over teak. Is that what it's called? Green slate over teak? Uh-huh. So, something like that. Yeah. Phelps made it. Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. And uh, immediately she's uh, clucking back at me, and I'm like, Garrett, he's here. And he's just like, yeah, they're coming down the road. I'm like, holy shit, you know? I mean, we must have just <laughs> snuck in ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, by seconds. Like seconds. You'd, a little bit later, you'd have spooked him. Yeah, exactly. we would have walked right in there. Yeah, or had we not just decided to sit there and gone 50 more yards down that road, you know, we probably would have bumped into him. So uh, here come the first couple of hands. One hand kind of eyeballs us. We're not that far off the road. 10, 15 yards at yeah. the closest? Less. Less. Yeah. Five yards. She makes it by us. And as soon as one makes it by us, the day before I had seen, oh. So when I when we bumped that group, it was a strutter and six or so, I thought, six to eight hens maybe. She makes it by us, and I'm thinking, perfect. As long as the lead hen's by us, everybody else is eventually going to follow her and, and filter by. So it takes a while. Here come more. But it doesn't take too long, and we can hear somewhere off in the jungle. Oh, yeah, but it was more yeah. like. <laughs> oh man, you, you could hear it. it. You could hear it so well too. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a wet fart. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I just like. I just like that sound, man. It's not like you're spitting a stream of tobacco at you. <laughs> and. Uh, so we know there's a strutter in the bunch, <laughs> and it's just a matter of time. We just got to sit still enough. Huh, you know? Do it once. <laughs> What's yours, Richard? <laughs> that was a good one. That was good. That was, good. That was a big gobbler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where to speed up the story a little bit. There's multiple hens. I, I, I lost count, but it was probably getting upwards of, of double digits. And Really? It's a giant pile of turkeys. Giant. Yeah, yeah. All around us. Big we have clock. hens go behind us in the hammock. Yeah. And before we've even seen the gobbler, I think. Now, Seth and Garrett were on my left. They saw him long before. Had I been in Garrett's sitting spot, I would have shot the turkey at least 20 minutes before I did. Maybe 30. Mm-hmm. They got to sit there and watch the show forever. I could just see a, a you know tip of the fan and a flash of the white head here and there. They got the show, oh, which is cool. I would have be- knocked him out <laughs> with the butt of my shotgun, and boom, he goes down out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, that Tom probably would have just sat there and been like, what was that? <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Thanks, you know, People are fighting. <laughs> Um, One's unconscious. <laughs> and uh, we have a hen behind us uh-huh. that also, out of nowhere, she jumps up and flies and <laughs> almost, I mean, I don't think she actually cleared, went over the tree that we were on, but right next to the cabbage palm that we're sitting on, just flies and then lands five, six, seven yards. Just to do from like us. a micro adjustment. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I'm done feeding here. I'm just going to pop back out to the road. Over <laughs> us. Just chopped us. And uh, that was cool. But she landed so close, and I was looking left. I didn't. I couldn't even look right. You know, I just had to stay. She'd stay have picked on, up your head you know. movement. So all this is going on. Seth and uh, and uh, Gare are getting the show. By the show, mean gobblers oh. in there strutting his tail off, drumming so and spitting. Cool. Yes, yeah, super cool. At one point, I think 
boy, if I just kind of lean out, I had a, some small uh, saw palmettos on my left. And I thought if I just lean out around those, you know, and I get on him, I can probably take the shot. But he still had a couple hands around him. I'm like, yeah. Seems well, like I'm going to push it. There was a Jake in that group, too. Oh. And at one point, that Jake popped into full strut. Ooh. And that's what brought him the closest he came. Hmm. Because that Jake popped into full strut, and it pissed him off. Mm. He, like, went racing over towards him. I never even him. knew about that. Yeah. That, that's what brought that turkey the furthest towards us. towards us that he got. Yeah. So what also happened, well, we could hear but couldn't see. This is Richard and I listening. Is we could hear every now and then like a like a wing flap. Mm-hmm. I could hear him, but Seth and Garrett could watch him masturbating. <laughs> they had never seen it, I guess. But all we could hear was, I don't know if you're hearing that. It'd be like a clap or two. I'm like, man, it sounds like there might be like a turkey beating another turkey with his wings or something. And then later, they're like, yeah, we saw him there, and it looked like. Seth actually thought you thought it was mating. Yeah, I so when I first saw it, I could only see he he was like kind of behind a tree and I could only see like the right side. He was facing directly away from me. I could only see like the right side of his body. And I could see him doing like the little wing flap thing. You mm-hmm. know when they when they mount a hen and breeder? Yeah. They do that little like wing flap thing. I could see him doing that and I could hear him doing it and I actually leaned over to Gary and I said he's breeding a hen. <laughs> <laughs> was was Garrett was Garrett like those turkeys are fighting? <laughs> no, <laughs> but he wasn't on top of a hen. But and then he did it again in the wide open in front of me, and he he was not on a hen. He was just doing it for funsies. Or was he like, ex- yeah? I mean, he or was just like so excited. Excited. The Jake and the gobbler did it at the same. The the Jake started doing it, and the gobbler started doing it right. He's like, I'm going to be like this. <laughs> Jake's like, I'm going to be like this. And the hens didn't want anything to do with the strutter. He was trying, but they weren't. Yeah. They were like. They were like gross. Yeah, they were they're just going about their day. We're ready, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, the last two birds, I think, are the. I never even saw where the Jake went. We never he saw got the Jake. He got pushed back. Yeah, so. When that Jake went into full strut, he came around. That's when he came the furthest um, to from our left to right, and then worked that Jake back around the prairie there to where he eventually disappeared. Mm. So yeah, hen. To me, it almost looks like she spooks and goes back down the road, and mm-hmm. the gobbler follows her. I'm like, oh, that's it. It's over. But then we could keep hearing him drumming. And spitting. And I'm like, Seth, what'd they do? And he said, they went out into the prairie. And we're talking, this prairie is, it's a wet spot, but no big trees on it. It's about 100 yards It's like a big dish. W- wide. Well, I don't know not, about yours. Is it dish-like? Yeah. yeah. It's not, it does, it's not holding water, though. Maybe no, right it in is. the middle. Right in the middle. To clarify, yeah, the middle of it's gets a little deep so the vegetation right in the middle is really tall so mm-hmm. it's not like something like you could see across yeah. so that that center of it is blocking our view from the turkey so it's like a reverse you know like almost like a donut but yeah we can just hear him and he keeps drumming and spitting drumming and spitting and finally richard's like man i think he might pop out right here in front of us but at a distance because he's gone around the long mm-hmm. the back side of this prairie and uh, 
All of a sudden, Richard sees him. It's like, I can see him. I'm like, I can't see him. But then, and there's his, <laughs> there's his fan. And I'm like, all right, I'm on him. And he's, and he's, I think he's actually coming to us at that point, just a little bit. Maybe yeah. a little on an angle. Yeah. The first thing I saw was the white head through the grass. And as soon as I saw that flash of white just kind of bobbing through the grass, I was like, I see him. And I think you said something like, where, where, where? And then his fan went up and you're like, oh, there. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were calling intermittently as well. Uh, no, we hadn't uh, called yeah. since the beginning. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't call till he was, he was in this gap and we were about to lose sight of him again. And he was about midway through the gap. And I, did I ask you, should yeah, I you, call? Like, should I call? I'm like, heck yeah. So I hit him with the, you know, whoop, 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 and his head just. Yeah, he did the periscope oh, of yeah. all periscopes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could barely see his head on the tops of that vegetation. And when he periscoped, I mean, it looked like there was a, a solid foot. He was on his head, tippy toes. head and neck. Yep. Yeah, yeah, maybe he did stretch mm-hmm. up his legs. He too. was all the way up. But uh, then you said shoot him, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, I think he's out of range. And then uh, Richard said something like, "Well, you patterned that gun, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I took that to mean like, "Dude, shoot him!" So I said, like, "All right, bang." <laughs> And uh, it was a poke. He's or did we even did we talk about how far the yeah, distance was yeah. before I shot? Yeah, I said I, I think you're that's like it's 50, 50 yards. Yeah, I'm like sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I touched off and roll him, but I took off after him. And he, even though he was flopping, he had that kind of flop that wasn't crazy erratic. It was when you yeah. got near him, he was trying to inch away from you. So yeah. even though he doesn't even have his neck with him anymore. He's got something enough in his head where he's like, I'm trying to get away from that big thing towering mm-hmm. over me right now. Man, so those number nines at 60 did some work, huh? Rolled him hmm. hard. I mean, I still had to, you know, choke him out. But, uh, I wonder if that brass can be full of them pellets at that distance. We're going to know here shortly. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we ranged it. From where I finally stopped when i got on his neck it was 66 back to the cabbage palm but i think he had flopped solid five six yards yeah he kind of almost chased him a little bit that's a little poke and it's a mega poke <laughs> mega poke but i don't know we probably could have let him ease out of that prairie we knew where he was going and then we probably could have made another approach but it w- we would have gone full bushwhack style after that we would have been belly crawling in on him you all you'd have to bushwhack him. Yeah, him and him and his. I, I felt hannies. good though. It was like that periscope. The way his head was like so high up like that. There was like just so much neck there. Right. That's why I felt like I felt confident about that. You know, and you've got that red dot on there. Like it was like I don't know. I didn't in that moment. I didn't. I didn't see a question yeah. in it. Yeah. No, I, I had patterned it at fifty, mm-hmm. and it had patterned great. Yeah. Had I ranged him and it was at 60, I probably would have let him go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's hard to tell. 50, the difference between 50 and 60 is super hard to tell. Mm-hmm. So, totally. anyways, dead bird. Yeah, he's in the fridge. Mm-hmm. That's the end of my Osceola. And at that moment, I became a Grand Slam turkey holder. You know what quote I heard the other day? No. Roosted ain't roasted. 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not, your, not your first time hearing that one. Had uh, you heard that before? Many a time. I like that. You did? Yeah. You've never heard a, that? You know, I just wrote a quote earlier today. Well, I like this what one. What was that? It's called, uh, I was criticizing these boys fishing mm-hmm. in the river down here. I said, you're fishing the way you wish the world was, not the way it is. Which means we're targeting largemouth bass. <laughs> <laughs> and not throwing crawlers. And not, under- <laughs> and not sinking chicken legs down there for, for big catfish. <laughs> yeah. I see. Yeah, we're right. in Florida. <laughs> you got you to gotta try and catch it. At least and one I, bass. They're down there trying to catch a 10-pound northern on these like 10-inch bass. Largemouth bass, not northern. Sorry. <laughs> Largemouth. Foulmouth bass. Bucket mouth. Trying to catch a big bucket mouth. <laughs> and they come back with nothing. And I'm like, I tell you one thing. If I was down in that dock, I'd catch a fish. Because <laughs> I'd put a crawl around or a bobber and I'd find out just what was living there. Yeah. And he motivated that to happen. <laughs> That's Chris, what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Chris went down there and caught himself a couple of tilapia while we've been State record, maybe. Yeah, he thinks he had state record, which is great. <laughs> So I went tilapia. We're going to end the show, but I'll I'll end on this. Um, I went tilapia bow fishing the other night in Okeechobee. And they dig a bed. You've seen it, Yanni, because you meet bow fish mm-hmm. before. They dig a bed the likes of which I have never seen. It's amazing. I mean, it looks like a bomb went off underwater. Not only is it the size, like, you know when someone says the size of a bushel basket? You know, when I have, when my kids get older and I'm talking about something being like a bushel basket, they're probably like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not often It's barely anymore. relevant now to most people. Yeah. I know. But I grew up, man, you'd go buy tomatoes. You'd buy like a peck, a bushel basket or a peck, you know? Bushel and a peck. Yeah. So, yeah, it's barely relevant now. But for you old timers who grew up going with your mom down and picking shit Bushels. at, at <laughs> pick and pay produce places. It's a bushel basket in diameter, and they dig that some bitch half a bushel basket deep for their eggs. Or oh yeah, and they they clean it out. Are they trying to get through the muck to get some gravel? They clean Uh it down and they clean it out. And even at night when you're going along, it's like they just stand out. And you might look at the night we are out. You might look at eight or nine empty ones. I think a lot of those the fish already skittered out. Because just surrounded by dense vegetation, so when they slide out, they like slide out. You might you might catch a little movement where he's hitting the weeds, you know, but he's gone. But every whatever eight, nine, ten of those beds, he's just sitting on there. And if you're not right over the top of them with your bow, it's fun, man. Is the was, is the tilapia a what's it related to? Is it some? It's a cichlid. Cichlid. Is that right? Oh, man. Chester, look that up. My phone's over there. I got you. I got you. It's a cichlid. I think it's a cichlid. C-I-C-H-L-I-D. They are native. I know this. They're native to the Middle East and North Africa. They've been exported all over the world as an aquaculture species. One of the things they do with them, and I, I saw this in the Philippines, for rotational farming and in rice paddies, You'll like get a crop or whatever number of crops of rice out of a rice paddy. You'll then flood that paddy, put tilapia in it, harvest the tilapia out, but then it also like they, you know, they fertilize. Mm -hmm. 
So you run a cycle of tilapia in there, raise those up to eat in size, eat the tilapia, and then put the rice paddy back into rotation. So I saw that a long time ago. But they've escaped all over. And here, the, the big ones are the blue tilapia. Incredible abundance of them. Mm-hmm. Non-native. It's illegal to have a live one in your possession. Mm. Really? Because you know, they take the other water. You can't so like throw them in a bucket and be like, oh, I'm just bringing them home fresh. If you, when he's in your possession, he's got to be dead. Yeah. And we went out bow fishing. We were not. We were just kind of a fly-by-night deal. Uh, we were just fly-by-night, and we didn't have the right lights and everything. We were just shooting off headlamps. But I'll uh, tell you what, man. If you're fishing, in, if you want to go gator hunting or fishing in Okeechobee, or he does a lot of bass fishing, a lot of bass fishing, guiding bass fishing, Captain Bobby Stafford. Hell of a nice guy. We 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 were doing a different. I don't even want to get into what we were actually doing. We were doing a whole different project, but they got to go bow fishing with that guy for a night. Nice. I'd hire, yeah, great. If you're in this area and you want to have a hell of a good time, and and go gator hunting, he does gator trips for trophy gators, like trophy gators being ten plus gators. Largemouth does a lot of that. When I was with him, he booked a client for largemouth. Um, does a lot of largemouth fishing, and. I don't know what all, I don't even know what all the hell he does. He's got regular boats, does crappie fishing. He's got regular boats. He's got air boats. Um, if you ask him real nice, maybe he'll take you out for tilapia. That's not his normal deal. We just happen to go for tilapia. Captain Bobby Stafford. Bob Stafford. Everybody calls him yeah, Bob Stafford. You were right. It is a a cichlid. Cichlid. Delicious grilled. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Listen, man. I thought it was pretty good. It was all right, but not as good as it would have been if he'd have fried it. And if you get a tilapia and you want to eat it, get the blue, get the red muscle off it, trim it nice, and fry that sucker until there's no bubbles coming out of your, almost till there's no bubbles coming out of your deep fryer. Mm. I would call it heavy fry. And that heavy fry firms it up. Firms it up. And it gets rid of that ever so slight muddy taste. And apparently, I was re- when I was reading up on these the other day, I gave an extensive read up. I don't know how when they in the aquaculture facilities. Oh, I'll tell you another little fact that'll you won't that'll surprise you. You'll you'll you won't be wondering why you listen to this show after you hear this because <laughs> you learn all this. The fourth most consumed fish by pounds consumed per person in the United States of America. However, they do a broad grouping. Shrimp hmm. is part of that. Shrimp's number one. Yeah. And Lord knows how many species of shrimp, but there's multiple species of tilapia. So like shrimp, tuna, salmon, tilapia. Pounds consumed per person per year in the U.S. of A. That'd be a good trivia question. Oh, dude, Mm -hmm. I know I blew it. Maybe he can still use it. All right, everybody. If you're listening to Game On, suckers, and and that comes up, you'll know where that came from. (laughs) Hey, wait, I I have one follow-up. That dog's tongue was 17 inches long. But Gene Simmons. (laughs) Was it Gene Simmons' dog? (laughs) What state was it from? Michigan. That's why I thought you'd be interested. It was a boxer, 17 inches long. Oh, man. Richard, anything we missed that you want to <laughs> add about your uh, beautiful little part of the United States of America you got down here? Well, I heard once, uh, Steve, you said on a podcast, 
it was you were reflecting on your your last experience hunting down here uh turkeys and you had been uh I believe private land like pasture type land and that that property boarded up to uh WMA and you had said that side of the fence was a lot different than the side of the fence we were on sure. and you wanted to know what was that on that side that of that That wasn't a WMA Oh. That was a uh, a, 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 waiting, a waiting. It was like a was some kind of like not a refuge system mm-hmm. refuge. It was some kind of like locally administered waiting bird refuge. Okay. Yep. Not so, a WMA. So, but not cattle grazed. I'm glad I got to take you over to the side yeah, of the fence. You know, yeah, you took me to their side <laughs> of the fence. Yeah, I liked it better. Cool. Oh, that was great, man. Awesome. I love tons of wildlife, tons mm-hmm. of birds. Super well managed. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of clo- Like I like all those closed roads. You got to walk around. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about wild places, and it's it's easy to look at something like the Grand Canyon and like the scale of that, and like you know, be impressed, right? This grand, big, big stuff. And like here, everything we have is is on a micro level, and it's like spending two, three days, you start to zoom in. And see all those little things and kind of see like how many layers there are and like how compounded the wildlife here is and that scale is completely different and like once you tap into that you're like wow you know yeah but pounds of life per unit of space is high in the water especially oh yeah very high we didn't even get it all you know my whole thing like florida's for fighting Uh dude we didn't even get into all the fighting that's yeah that's like another two hours. I want to do a preview of the fighting. You ever see that movie Warriors? Uh-uh. Oof. This, this movie from the, it's either the late 70s or early 80s. And it's about these all these gangs in New York. Like, you know, one of them's like the clown gang. One of them's the Warriors. They all have, like, have these different themes, right? And the Warrior gang, they get into some trouble and, and they got to make it back. And it's just like, you know this how do they get back to coney island like just kind of like all these different gangs like all after each other and all that that's like kind of like where we're at (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah there's little like i find i could be wrong i find there's like very uh, like a like in my brief experience talking to people in a wide variety of places a wide variety of people in southwest florida i was surprised by the factionalism mm-hmm. I was surprised by the factionalism even right down to like you have like people who are trying to do stuff to to clean up the estuaries and improve the fisheries but then the people that live inland are mad at those people because their prescription of how the water should be handled is not good for deer hunting and so you know i hate them and i hate them and i hate yeah. them and the problem is the system is so fractured that putting it back together is, is not simple. And also putting it back together also means that you, you, can't, you can't put it back to the way it was. Like it's not, it's not ever going to go back to the way it was. So what it's going to be in the future is something different, something resembling what it was, but like a completely new thing. Like what I think about is like post-wilderness. So the problem with that is that that also involves like a vision of like what that thing is. And there's a lot of different folks like fighting for their version of that vision, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it so hard because 
and honest, most of those folks, each one of them care for various reasons. Each for each one of those, their their intentions are because of their passion or their love for a place, right? But like those values conflict sometimes and there's no like there's not a good place where they all kind of like can come together and like it's a shame because there was a time you know back in the 70s where we almost lost like a, a very large part of this place and it was only because those types of groups groups that wouldn't normally get along had to because if they didn't there'd be, you know, there'd be no toys for anybody to play with, mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing that like, well, if you guys are arguing, I'm going to take your toy, both your toys away, you know? Yep. And like, how can we get back there? You know, how do we get back there? When I first was trying to describe the fat, the factionalism that I had been hearing about, I told Richard, it was like when the Soviets pulled out of Afghanistan <laughs> and all the warlords, <laughs> had to jockey mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's political it's who has money who has influence conservation groups shit talking to other conservation mm -hmm. groups just, hey, hey, values hey. of like what the land should be used for mm -hmm. is big if we had more time and i and, and i wasn't wrapping her up you know what i'd want to talk about too mm. how you guys are gonna get your bear season back yeah well you only had one it's, how it, are you going to get a bear it's hunt included, going? It's included in the management plan. The only problem is it's quota of zero. So mm. it just has to be voted back into in some way or another. I know I was going to wrap it up, but but Florida did a, did a bear hunt, and they really underestimated hunter efficacy. They had a quota that was 200, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think so too. But they issued five thousand tags, mm -hmm. and they had a forty-eight hour shutoff. I think they shut it off once they hit the quota, yep. and that was two days. But so they were looking to do two hundred people. Were already all animal rights people and New Jersey cat ladies were already all they were hung already up. out. They were already pissed. They were at the check stations already. They turned that hunt on, and they got too many. They had too many tags. They ne they couldn't fit. They this wildly underestimated hunter efficacy. And man, they opened it up, and they couldn't shut it off fast enough. They blew up to three thirty or something like that before they could Dang. turn it off. Dang! And then that little blunder, basically, that little blunder basically like eliminated any prospect for that. Bear hunt. Mm -hmm. I would have said, like, wow, next time we should let fewer tags out. Yeah. But the Florida public said, wow, ain't gonna, ain't gonna happen again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also, you know, it, it, it also would have a huge impact that, too, was just who showed up to those commission meetings. Well, and unfortunately, they showed up more than the hunters did. I don't want to get into it too much, but I met a person who I was very surprised that he was opposed. I've met a person of mm -hmm. influence. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised to learn he opposed that bear hunt. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It was very painful for a lot of sportsmen down here. They had a, He had a perspective that was interesting. He's like, man, we can hunt everything in Florida. No one messes with us. You do this, they're going to mess with you. 
Oh. But right now, no one messes with us. We do whatever we want. But you mess with that animal, and you're going to invite a lot of attention. I told him, I said, uh, I said, I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for joining. Richard, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Thank you, man. Thanks, Richard. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a long time coming. You did, you did, you did real well by us, though. Yeah. yeah. Good scout and good guiding. No, it was it. fun. We'll go jump in the pool. Yeah. I'll go catch, go catch some fish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order.